Hello, and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day in the capital. Let's see how long it lasts. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Richard Lehman, Chief Executive of Tall Ships Youth Trust. Richard, hello. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning. Well, why don't we dive straight in? What does the word leader mean to you? I think a leader is uh, someone who is more than a manager, uh, more than someone who organizes things. A leader for me is someone who inspires people to, to go above and beyond. So it's not just the normal day-to-day business. This is people who are uh, facing extreme challenges, people who are they're going to grow their organization rapidly. They're going to achieve great things. And I think a leader is is what makes that that difference. It's what gets those people to do those amazing things. Now, uh, at Tall Ships Youth Trust, you inspire uh, children to achieve amazing things through sale training. Tell me a bit about that. Uh, well, that's uh, it's a magical uh, experience for them because a lot of our youngsters come from incredibly difficult starts, uh, young offenders excluded from school, um, abused, or they are um, abusing drugs. Um, some have been involved in knife crime. Um, and what we do is we take them out for a week or so at sea, under sail, uh, offshore, no mobile phones, no escape. And, and they all have to be part of the team, and they all get involved in all the work on board. At the end of the week, I just don't recognize the youngsters. There is something, something that happens to them over the period of, of seven to eight days. They suddenly realize they're worth something. They suddenly feel like they've got prospects in life. They know they can do something good, and they know they can do it well. It's a complete transformation. It's, uh, it's why I get out of bed in the morning. Now, being a former sailor myself, I completely understand that that sort of uh, meshing that happens at sea. Uh, and of course, what you're fostering there is a sense of teamwork. Now, yep. leading a team uh, is sometimes challenging. And of course, you have the unique challenges of, of these uh, these uh, individuals who uh, come from uh, less than privileged backgrounds uh, to lead, but also staff. Tell me what it's like managing both the staff and the pupils. <laughs> Um, it personally, I, I find it's, uh, it's very similar, um, because it, it, I, I feel that leadership is a very individual thing, uh, for each human being that I work with or I lead, uh, they all need an individual approach. Uh, it's, I don't think it's right to say this is how you do leadership. I think it, it, it varies from person to person. So some of the, the youngsters who come out really do need minute by minute support, encouragement, guidance. Um, and, but, and yet some of them within a, a day or so are already leading themselves and want to make decisions and want to do things. I find it's the same with, with members of, of my staff and, and always have in, in the, whilst I was in the Navy with, with sailors and, and officers in the ship's company. Everyone is individual, and some of those people liked the captain or the, the chief exec to give them detailed guidance and instructions, and some of them actually would much prefer to be allowed to make those decisions, to be empowered 
to do things and not to have the person at the top constantly looking over their shoulder and telling them what to do. So it is, I personally believe it's, it's almost down to a person-by-person person basis for leadership. So it's really about understanding your men, and that's how you get forward as an organization. Yeah, well, the men, the men and the women, of course. Of course. Um, I, I commanded the, the first ship to take women to sea in the Navy, and we, we all thought it was going to be a, uh, you know, quite a, quite a difficult challenge, but actually it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And transferring leadership skills from then the Navy into, into guide dogs, it is all about people. It, it's having a genuine understanding of them and respect for them. Of course, giving a sense of purpose and, and direction and having your own self-confidence. But in the end, every individual needs uh, a particular approach in order to get the best out of them. Now, when you were in the Navy, did you have any mentors that you looked up to that have uh, founded the way that you lead today? Uh, I, I did. There were. It's funny, the, the very best captains I had uh, made it look so easy, and you couldn't really tell how, how they did it. So that none of the ones that I tried to emulate were the sort of gung-ho, mm-hmm. swashbuckling types. They, they tended to be quiet. They were interested in you and interesting. Uh, they, they were confident. Um, and they had a, they had a very, very personal approach. I mean, I had a lot of bad captains. Um, and interestingly, I learned more about leadership from them. Uh, well, of course, you're learning what, what, not what not to do. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the ones who took all the credit for what the, the, um, the, the officers had done, the captains who were aggressive, and who were bullies. There were, you know, plenty of examples of of bad leadership. And and you know, you take away from that that you know, when I get to, to that position, I'm I'm just not going to do that. If we if we take uh, an example of bad leadership in a naval sense uh, for a moment, uh, as in Captain Bly of the Bounty, um, his failure in leadership wasn't that he was too hard on the men, but too easy on them when they were ashore. Do you find uh, that it's important to keep on top of uh, the uh, youths that you work with uh, to make sure that they are doing the right thing, but not being too overbearing? Yeah, I, th- I mean, that's a really good question because the, the, the judgment call, both with you know, sailors in the Navy and with the youngsters who sail in, in the tall ships youth trust, um, is, is making it clear that whilst they're on board, they're, they're part of the team and they... Um, you know, if, if they don't follow what the team is supposed to be doing, it's actually very dangerous. And mm-hmm. uh, they'll also be letting their, 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 their teammates down, their shipmates down. Once these youngsters do get ashore, and, and they usually get a night, night ashore, and certainly sailors get nights ashore, um, uh, there is, uh, I try to say, I try to say to sailors and we say to the young people that, you know, you're, you're, you're representing uh, the ship, and you know, bad behaviour really isn't just letting yourself down; it's letting the navy down, and it's letting the ship down. Um, and we apply the same approach with with our youngsters. So we encourage them to take responsibility for their for their own actions and to realise that actions have consequences, both on themselves and on on others. And of course, taking responsibility is a major part of becoming a leader. Um, when you're speaking to these young people, what is your advice that you give them? With regard to taking responsibility? With regard or, to becoming leaders. 
Well, um, my personal, uh, uh, I, I try and lead by example. Um, and I would, I hope, and I've often seen almost, almost entirely seen that by setting the example myself in how I behave, how I speak, how I act towards others, that encourages those who are being led by me, uh, to perform in a similar way. So my, my personal view is that, that as a leader and as a, uh, as a potential leader, your own conduct, your, your behaviors, your language, um, the way you treat others, um, it, you know, it's a critical part of, of, of uh, being a good leader. Um, and without doubt, I, I used to walk on board a ship as a, as a crusty old admiral, and, and I could tell within a few minutes uh, what the leader of that ship was like, because I met his or her people. And you could see by the way they behaved, with the way they looked, the way they spoke. And I'd eventually get up to the captain's cabin, and lo and behold, that ship was an, was an image of, of the person at the top. And so I often say to young people, you know, as you get towards being a leader, realize that every single action and word and movement and you know, your body language um, will be noticed by your people and will be emulated by them, whether you want it to or not. They, they will end up following your behaviors. So it's critical that they are beyond reproach. Now, frankly, uh, I think we could talk all day long, but we're running rather close to time. Um, but before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Tall Ships Youth Trust? Well, we are a, um, we're, we're a growing charity. We are aiming to raise uh, at least £5 million to buy a new schooner. So we can double the number of young people we take out. Uh, we have a couple of exciting events coming up. Um, we've got a um, two two events in HMS Queen Elizabeth, and uh, we've got a, a, a dinner later on this year. So we're trying to fundraise at these events. The most important thing that will happen in the next twelve months is we'll take probably another twelve hundred disadvantaged and disabled young people to see and transform their lives. And the more we can do of that. And the more often we can do that, the better. Well, uh, Richard, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. I very much look forward to having you on the program again. Richard, thank you. Not at all. Thank you. That was Richard Lehman, Chief Executive of Tall Ships Youth Trust. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really 
messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with, he'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like, uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me. He graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, 
Uh, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially with Seven Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who, who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. up naturally, it, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a, a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, at, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be, who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn song, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I were going to be, be playing. In, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. 
And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation. Did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, mm. out. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard nosed professional uh, top quality people, and that was again the leadership that I'll show he, he got people in together that were very very strong personally um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had we were very I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals um, we had some great players but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with you know over the years and Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, "Oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch." So that—I've uh, been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want, you want, you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. 
<laughs> what a question. What a question. Uh, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make then again, laugh if you that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... It would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today, uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven years that. Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. 
he's the best example of management I think we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's ast- absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today yes I think so I think yes no, mm. no question at all I think they uh, Ron Greenwood yeah the answer straightforward answer is yes um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I... when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, 
but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure they're not. Uh, there's, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.